You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, let me just extend another welcome to you all. Uh, we're so glad to have you with us this morning outside here. Uh, the rain moved out early this morning as we were setting things up, and we knew uh, that we were going to be able to gather here outside with you all this morning. So we are so thankful and excited for this day. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time this morning, which as I see uh, the crowd before us, I would imagine there are some who are joining us for the first time this morning. Uh, welcome to you. I hope that uh, you'll stop by the Ridgewood Church tent just to my right here after the service. Uh, we've got some folks that would love to meet you and help you get more connected here at Ridgewood, uh, as well as give you a little free gift. Uh, also, on the other side of them, we've got our Ridgewood Coffee Bar mobile unit uh, up and running this morning. Uh, super thankful for those guys. If you did not get the chance to stop by before the service, uh, they would love to serve you afterwards. Uh, one more uh, little uh, thing to point you towards as well. Just after this service here, we're going to be having a little ice cream social event. We've got Johnny Pops that we are going to be handing out. So we hope that you'll stick around and, uh, and enjoy that and have some good, good community building time with us this morning. Now, for those of you that have been tracking with us over the last several weeks, you know that we have been in a series titled Faithful as we've been going through the book of Daniel. Uh, we've gone through the first six chapters of the book of Daniel over the last several weeks, and we've seen uh, several different events that Daniel has told us about from his lifetime. Uh, now, when we come to chapter 7, which is right smack in the middle of the book of Daniel, we are uh, basically crossing into new territory in the book here. We're no longer looking at specific events that happened in, the book, in uh, Daniel's life, but we are dealing with certain visions that God gave to Daniel at different points in his life. Uh, and there's certain things about uh, the beginning of chapter 7 uh, that I think point us to the fact that Daniel has something specific in mind in this chapter, and that it actually serves as the climax of the entire book of Daniel. The very first verse in chapter 7 of Daniel, the very beginning of it, says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, so Babylon, uh, if you're not familiar with this part of the Bible, which many people are not, so you're not alone in that, but Babylon was a kingdom that conquered the Jewish people and basically exiled a handful of them and took them back to their capital city, to the city of Babylon, which is where Daniel and a lot of his friends are living now, basically in captivity. Now, uh, so uh, at the beginning of Daniel, we went through a king named Nebuchadnezzar, then his uh, descendant that took the throne is Belshazzar. Last week, we were with dealing with King Darius, who actually came after Belshazzar. And now we're back to dealing with Belshazzar again, which should cue us into something important here, because I think it shows us that Daniel structured the book in such a way as to show us something specific. He did not structure it just chronologically, going all the way through in a chronological order, but he's broken that pattern here to highlight that something important is about to happen here in chapter 7. So the timeline itself has shifted in chapter 7. And not only are we dealing with visions from this point on in the book of Daniel, uh, but these visions are pretty wild, I have to say. Uh, and let me just level with you this morning. There's going to be some things in this vision that we're going to look at and say, what in the world is going on? Uh, 
Uh, we're going to see a, a lot of different animals that are unnatural, that are just plain old weird from our perspective. Uh, but this is God's word. This is the word that God has given us. And I can assure you we're going to walk through it a little bit by little bit. And we're going to understand it together this morning. And what I really want us to see is that in a world that seems to be spinning out of control, uh, as as we deal with things like uh, as we deal with things like the coronavirus over the last uh, what what is it now eighteen months and now it seems to be wanting to come back again. Uh, we've been dealing with that. We've been dealing with political unrest. We've been dealing with racial tension in this country, uh, and things seem to be coming to a point where it's easy to look at the world and say it seems like the world is spinning out of control. But of course, we know that God himself is sovereign over all kingdoms of the earth. And that is the main point of the book of Daniel, that God is sovereign over all kingdoms of the earth. And we're going to see that specifically today. And what I hope to give you are three reasons today why we can put our hope in Jesus, even in the midst of a world that seems to be spinning out of control. So with all that being said, let's dive in to Daniel chapter 7. If you're following on a Bible app this morning, which I'd encourage you to, I'm going to be reading from the ESV, that's the English Standard Version. Daniel chapter 7 verse 1 says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. So when Daniel says things like the sum of the matter in this first verse, that cues us into something important that's going to set up our expectations for this entire chapter. So Daniel tells us that this is the sum of the matter. Basically, that's Bible speak for Daniel is giving us the gist of it. So Daniel is giving us what is important for us to know in order to be able to worship and enjoy God, even in the midst of a world that is spinning out of control around us which might frustrate us when we come to certain parts of the Bible. I mean, often we read the Bible and we think, I wish I knew more information than what is given me in this passage. And we have all sorts of questions around why and how things happen in Scripture. And certainly Daniel had these questions too, and, he, and we're going to deal with those this morning. But keep in mind that what God gives us in his word is, a, is sufficient for us to follow God and love God regardless of the circumstances. And while we may have questions in response to what is in God's word, we will also be given what is sufficient for us to worship God in this world. So let's dive into this vision itself in, in verse 2, which says, Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came out of the sea, different from one another. That word there, four, four winds, just means the entirety of the world. Uh, so what God is telling us here is God is going to move in an act of judgment over the entire world. And we see him stirring up the great sea uh, to bring forth these beasts. So the sea itself is bringing forth these, these crazy animals uh, that Daniel sees in this dream. Just what are these animals all, all about here? Let's read that. Uh, in verse 4. It says, The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then I looked, 
As I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear, it was raised up on one side, it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and behold, another, like a leopard, with four wings of a bird on its back, and the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. And let's pause right there for a second, and let's just acknowledge that, like I said earlier, we're dealing with some pretty strange things here, are we not? I mean, uh, we're talking about animals that are basically uh, pieced together uh, with different parts of different animals here. Now, what this is here uh, in, in the Bible, this is something called, uh, it's a specific uh, type of vision in the Bible called apocalyptic. Now, when you hear the word apocalyptic, you might think of Bruce Willis trying to, uh, trying to stop the end of the world by deterring a meteorite in the movie Armageddon. Uh, and while certainly there are aspects of apocalyptic in the Bible that have to deal with the end of the world, what apocalypse itself means in scripture is just an appearing or a revelation, which cues us into obviously the book of Revelation, which is probably the most famous form of apocalyptic in the Bible. Uh, but Daniel chapter 7 is that as well. Uh, it's got all the calling cards of apocalyptic when it has these strange creatures uh, and it's in the context of, of God bringing judgment. Uh, all of these pieces have to deal with apocalyptic in the Bible. And we're going to see a lot of overlap between Daniel chapter 7 and the book of Revelation this morning. Uh, let's read this fourth beast. This is the final beast in Daniel's vision here. In verse 7 we pick up where it says, after this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. So Daniel sees something specific and especially strong and terrifying in this beast. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. So what these beasts are, is they are, uh, basically they are under the direction of the enemy. They are under the direction of Satan, which is kind of a, which is a bold claim to make, but let me just read for you uh, the first couple of verses of Revelation chapter 13. And remember when I said there's a lot of overlap between the book of Revelation and this vision in Daniel? Let's just read the first few verses of Revelation 13 and see if we can pick up on anything similar. Uh, it says, I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it, the dragon, now that dragon, again, crazy animal imagery here in apocalyptic, is Satan. The dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. So we see these beasts rising up out of the sea. We see that it is the same animals as Daniel's vision, is it not? We see a leopard, a bear, and a lion. 
and they are given great authority. Just like the animals in, uh, or the beasts in chapter 7 were given dominion. So there is a great deal of overlap between these beasts here in Revelation and in the book of Daniel. Now what that means here uh, really uh, has to do with chapter 12 in Revelation. And let me just sum, sum that up really quickly. Uh, Satan in Revelation chapter 12 is thrown down from heaven and he goes after followers of Jesus. The very end of, um, of chapter 12 says, Then the dragon, again that being, being Satan, became furious uh, and went off to make war on the rest of her, follower, of her offspring, that being followers of Jesus. It says, On those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. So the picture we get there is Satan himself standing on the edge of the sea, churning up this sea, bringing forth these beasts. Is that not pretty much exactly what we see in Daniel chapter 7? That's not a coincidence. That is God bringing into alignment the Old and the New Testament in these prophecies to show us that what is behind these beasts in Daniel chapter 7 is the enemy himself. It is Satan uh, at work in these beasts, and he is doing what Satan always does. Satan lies, he deceives, and he will try to frighten followers of Jesus away from God and to worshiping Satan himself. That's Satan's end goal. It's to take us away from Jesus, and that is what these beasts are all about. Now, what, what might be Daniel's, Daniel's response to these beasts? Uh, we actually get that in, in verse 15 of chapter 7, which says, As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. So, just like, uh, you know, if we think that Daniel just had these sorts of visions or dreams all the time, and this is no big deal to him, uh, he tells us that, no, this is, this is strange. This is out there. And his emotional response to this vision that he receives is one of anxiousness. There's, there's a little bit of fear in there about what this is all about. And he asks in verse 16, he says, I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. So this is the interpretation of those four beasts that we just read about. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. So that's the extent of the interpretation Daniel is given uh, to this vision. And remember how I said there are times where we might want more information as to what in the world is going on here. And indeed, there's been a plethora of different uh, discussions among biblical scholars about which king or which kingdom uh, these animals and beasts refer to. But that's not necessarily what God gives us in Scripture. And so we're not going to dive into this morning all the speculation about which kingdom is which beast in this vision. Because I think what Daniel is given as the interpretation is that there are four kings here who are under the direction of Satan, 
Again, we get that from the book of Revelation that we read a little bit earlier. There are four kings that are under the direction of Satan who will rule over this world and, and purport all sorts of falsehoods to distract from who God is. And remember how we talked about a world spinning out of control. You know, I think we all can feel that in our lives in various ways today. We see that in the political realm. We see that in schools. We see that in families. We see that in, uh, in so many different ways in our society and in our culture. And I want to tell you that I think it is the enemy who is behind all that. I think it's the enemy who is causing all sorts of things Things like gender confusion in our society. I mean, this, this culture does not understand the definition of male and female anymore. Seems it, the culture seems to institute all these other different uh, types of gender identifications that are completely foreign to Scripture. Now, I know that because uh, just just this week uh, I was uh, helping out at the event uh, the event that we had here in Minnetonka called Tour de Tonka. It's a bike race. Uh, we were handing out water and stuff, um, and and someone's email address uh, from that event staff, you know, uh, listed listed their pronouns after the name after his name in the in the email, which it is what it is at this point. Uh, that, that is something that is happening in our schools, that is something that is happening, and it's wreaking havoc over families and, and kids who, quite frankly, don't understand what all of this gender confusion stuff is all about. And that is ultimately, it's confusion that is being sown by the enemy in our students' lives. Think about all of the sexual dysfunction in our society today. Think about how... Uh, our society has pretty much removed the sacredness of, of sex itself and made it just a transactional exchange between two people. That is not the way that God intended sex to be used, and yet that is out there. Every single place you look and turn in our culture. You see, it is Satan that is behind all of these distortions, all of this confusion and it's not just that it's out there in the world either. I think as Christians, this is a call for us to consider ourselves. This is a call for us to look at the ways that we engage with this world, the ways that we engage in this culture, and to, have an, and to invite the Holy Spirit into that and say, God, would you show us where we are loving the world right now? That's that's, that's a bold prayer to pray, but I think in light of everything that is going on in our society and in our culture right now, we need to be aware of the ways that we are letting the world seep into our hearts and in our lives. We need to be aware of how Satan is causing distortions and confusion in our lives. Because when God identifies those things, that is where we get freedom, because we can repent when those things are brought forth. And I got to tell you, this week, uh, I prayed that prayer as I was preparing for this message, and I said, Lord, show me where in my life I have let the world seep in to my life, where I have made compromises and allowed the world's, uh, the, the, 
the world's um, ideas to infiltrate my own life. And he, and he didn't do, and he didn't show me anything at first. Uh, but I was scrolling through my social media feed about a couple minutes later, and I began to realize that you know there's some accounts that I follow. Uh, there's two golf accounts that I followed, uh, and one hockey account that I followed. That every once in a while they post something that is pretty objectively demeaning to women. And God convicted me about those things so that I unfollowed those accounts. That was one way that God identified that I had let this toxic masculinity that is out there in the culture infiltrate my own, my own heart to be okay with those things. So I stopped following those accounts. And it, while it wasn't anything pornographic, it was certainly something that had demeaning uh, content toward women that I don't need in my life. You see, too often as Christians, we want to basically flirt with the world. We want to basically keep, uh, keep the world on the uh, boundary line, uh, if you will. So there's our life, and there's the world, and there's a line in the middle. Too often as Christians, we like to straddle that line. Because we believe the lie that the world is a playground or a place that gives us pleasure and comfort and ease when really we don't want to be straddling that line at all. We want to be away from the world. That's why Jesus says that we are to be in the world and not of the world. So that's a point where we need to do some business with God in our own hearts as followers of Jesus and allow him to bring those things to life in our lives so that we can be aware of them and turn away from them. Now, let's get to the climactic point in this vision here. Verse 9 says, As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days, that being God himself, took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. Then I looked, because of the great words, uh, because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, and I looked, and the beast was killed, its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of these beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. And that, verse, that section of verses gives us the first reason why we can persevere in hope in a world that is turning upside down. And that is because God is ultimately and finally going to judge the world. You see, Satan is allowed to have his influence on the world for a time. But the time is coming when God will return and he will judge the world. He will make things right and he will vanquish Satan. He will vanquish the enemy. And he will do his business of judging the world. And now here in verse 13 and 14, the beautiful vision that Daniel gets here. He says, I saw in the night visions. And behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom 
that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. You see, that is a vision that Daniel was given of the coming of Jesus Christ at the end of the age, in the last days. Jesus himself, in Matthew 24, tells his disciples, uh, Matthew 24, verse 30, he says, Then, meaning after all this tribulation, then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. See, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is going to come, and while he will judge the world, what he will do is he will gather us, his followers, to himself. He will cause us to endure this great tribulation. It's, it's Jesus' power alive in us that brings conviction of sin so that we turn away from sin, that we repent and follow Jesus. Because when he comes back, it will be too late. And the world needs to know this message. The world needs to know that King Jesus is returning. And Jesus will be king forever. Satan's day will be done. Jesus will reign forever. That's the second reason why we can have hope and persevere when the world seems to be spinning out of control. Because Jesus will reign forever in the end. And we finish up Daniel chapter 7 here in verse 26 is how this will play out. When God comes to judge the world, when Jesus returns, this is what will happen. It says, the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion shall be taken away. That being the dominion of the fourth beast. His dominion will be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me. And my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. You see, at the crux of this vision, at the climax of this, is this promise to us as followers of Jesus that we will reign with Jesus forever. That is the promise that we need to hold on to as the world seems to try to choke out the gospel to remove biblical values and understanding of how God has structured this world. As Satan brings his deception into this world, we need to hold on to this promise that in the end, Jesus will return he will vanquish Satan, and we will reign with him forever. That's the hope that we need to have in a world that is spinning out of control. 
And we need to understand this in a time such as this. Because there are so many ways that Satan is at work in this world that we need to be aware of. But we need to keep our eyes ultimately on Jesus. Satan will have his day, but Jesus will reign forever. That's what we need to hold on to this morning. And as we close in a time of prayer, I'm going to give you an opportunity in this prayer to uh, repent, to identify specific sins in your life, in your own heart between you and God. We'll give you that opportunity to identify those and to confess those to God and to turn away from them, to repent and come back to Jesus, to bring those areas of our lives in line with the gospel. And if you have not put your faith in Jesus, if you do not have a relationship with him that is by faith in his work on the cross, in his being raised to life in the resurrection, then you can have the opportunity right now to put your faith in Jesus. Let's go to him in prayer. And when we get to that point, where if you have not put your faith in Jesus, you can simply pray along with me. Let's go to Jesus now. Let's go to God now and let's pray and let's invite him in. Jesus, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come into our lives now, that you would move, so move in our hearts, God, that we would be convicted of sin in our lives, places where we have made compromises with the world. Lord, would you identify those in our hearts now, Lord? We invite you into that space to make known to us ways that we need to repent of sin and follow you. And Father, we give you these things. Would you release bondage in our lives, God, as we give these sins to you and we claim the blood of Jesus over us, God, and the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. Help us to live a new life in freedom from sin. And if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, I invite you to pray along with me and put your faith in Jesus this morning. You just repeat after me here. Father, I realize that I have sinned against heaven. I have sinned against you. That I am not worthy of you on my own, God, but I need Jesus in my life. I need his sacrifice. I need his atonement for my sins. And so I give you my life. And Jesus, I need you to help me to live for you in all that I do, Lord. I turn away from my sin and I live in it no longer, Jesus, but I follow you. So would you come in to my heart, Jesus? Make your home with me and lead me in my life from this day onward. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time, 
we want you to stop by uh, at the hub after the service or this Ridgewood Church tent here. There's some folks that would love to meet you and to know uh, that you've made that decision today uh, so that we can, uh, we can help you take, uh, take some steps in your new relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's go, uh, let's go respond to God's work this morning uh, in worship. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.